0: Thank <laughs> you. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, want to get into uh, looking at some depth charts for the Buckeyes uh, going into the 2019 season. I'm going to do a uh, series for the site called In Too Deep. I posted the first installment earlier this morning. It's on the offensive line. So, looking at the offensive line, I have the projected starters left to right. Thayer Mumford. Mumford's pretty obvious. He's the only returning starter in the offensive line. But left to right, I have it. Thayer Mumford, Jonah Jackson, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, and then Brandon Bowen. But I do think Nicholas Pettiferrer is at least going to be in the mix. Um, you know, and they could, he could, if he doesn't start, he could at least rotate in there. They could move Bowen to guard and Davis to the bench, perhaps. Just kind of break that down for me. How do you see the uh, depth at the uh, offensive line shaking out?
1: I like this Into Deep series, by the way. Uh, is it sponsored by Sum 41? That needs to be our intro music for that. Um, I'm on board. But, uh, you know, O-Line Depths, I, I generally agree with what you came up with there. I think they are is obviously a shoe-in. Uh, I, I think we're both under the assumption that Jonah Jackson is going to show up in full-fledged football shape ready to rock and roll. I mean, remember he hasn't been part of a program for a couple months now, so that's a bit of a wild card. You just never know. So I I think certainly if we get the player that Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma were fighting over, then he's going to start. I don't think he would have came here without promises of, yeah, you're probably the best guy and you're probably going to start. But there is a very non-zero chance that we have that concern. And I brought this up a couple weeks ago. and It wouldn't be the first time an offensive lineman transferred to OSU and was not ready to go. Uh, it's a hard position to be ready to go if you're not working with your teammates. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, but I do think Jackson, that said, I do think he will start. Uh, I think Josh Myers is obviously a shoe in I'm excited to see the development we've got from him. Uh, and then the real question mark is where does Bowen play? And you alluded to that before. Uh, I think Bowen is going to start. The question is, is, Brandon Bowen going to start at guard like he did a couple years ago, or is Brandon Bowen going to start at right tackle? And I think the decision is going to be one the coaching staff has to make of, is starting uh, Nick, Nick Nicholas Patet-Friere at right tackle a bigger upgrade than starting Wyatt Davis at guard. It's not going to be which one is Bowen better at, because I think they're comfortable with him at either position. I think their goal is to try to get the best five guys in the field, and they've deemed Bowen likely one of the best five. And the question is, is the fifth-best guy going to be Davis, or is the fifth-best guy going to be NPF? And, by the way, one other thing here is this is a great dilemma to have when you bring up the Jonah Jackson situation, which is let's say he shows up not ready to go, or let's say he shows up and he hasn't done any football-related activity, then he starts pulling muscles and stuff like you see when after guys have holdouts in the NFL, they always seem to get hurt, right? So if Jackson has trouble getting up to full speed, well, guess what? You have two guards in Bowen and Davis. And then NPF can be your right tackle. And, by the way, I've said this repeatedly, I think Josh Alabi is more than capable of playing at, at one of the tackle positions. He showed very well last year. So, in my mind, I'm counting him as very good depth, too. I wouldn't be freaking out if he started situations. So, that's pretty good depth on the offensive line right then and there.
0: Yeah, I, you know, look at the backups, you mentioned it. Um, Alabi, having him as a fifth-year senior guy that started the Rose Bowl, at left tackle when Mumford was hurt, um, played in a lot of uh you know games when the game was still on the line you know guys would get banged up and they would put him in there um and again he you know he played every snap at the Rose Bowl so having him back as a fifth year senior is nice especially if he's a backup um you know Gavin couple beyond the two deep but I you know I don't think he because as we all know I mean if a guard got hurt what they would just do let's say Bowen's the right tackle as expected if a, a starting guard got hurt they would just move Bowen to guard and bring in Pettit or Alibi off the bench and put them to tackle. Uh, at center, it's interesting. They could move Jonah, like if Myers would get hurt, they could move Jonah Jackson to center because he has experience there. But also Harry Miller, um, everybody yeah. thinks he's coming in ready to play. Not that he's going to start, but he could at least be, I think he will be on the two deep. You know, and filling out the two, uh, filling out the two deep could be somebody like Ryan Jacoby. But again, at right guard, I have him penciled in there. But again, if a, one, it's really irrelevant because if one of the starting guards gets hurt, you know, we already said what's going to happen. But you know, talk a little bit more about uh, Olabi and uh, and especially Harry Miller.
1: Well, you you touched on Harry Miller. Uh, the vibe you get from him is a bit of a Mangoldian vibe. If you go back to two thousand two when Nick Mangold arrived on campus, and certainly without the hype that Miller did. Mangold was a two star. Harry Miller is the top center in the country, five star guy, right? But Nick Mangold came on campus, and Nick Mangold uh, immediately pushed for playing time at center. He and Alex Sapanovich switched on and off a bunch that year. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, those guys are interchangeable. That's fantastic. Look at this young guy, right? Um, I think you're going to have a lot of opportunities to get Harry Miller on the field. And, you know, you never really want to rely on a freshman, particularly at a center position, but he's a very impressive freshman. Let's be very honest here. He's a very impressive human being. He's more mature than half of us are at 40, and he's 18. So, you know, I I think there's a lot to be said about him. And, again, I will talk about Josh Alabi until I'm, you know, red in the face. Every opportunity we've seen for him last year to play, he was not okay. He was good. So, if we're sitting here going, hey, our number three or four tackle is flat out good, but everybody else better be playing at a very good level to keep him off the field. And that's what you want. Iron sharpens iron, right? So, you know, the depth situation with this team, if you really want to build a quote-unquote two-deep, you're going to throw a guy like a Gavin Cup or a Ryan Jacoby or whoever in there as one of the guards. But a real two-deep is going to show you uh, guys that are going to, like you said, Bowen will slide down the guard if they need to have another guard available. You've got a lot of, I hate to be Jim Bowman, but there's flexibility with where some of these guys play. And, I really, I've been saying this for months. I don't have any concerns about the offensive line this fall. I think they're going to be a good offensive line. There's a good mix of young and old talent. And I know there's not a ton of experience back, but there's plenty of it. Um, you know, for people who are worried about experience going, oh, well, Munford's the only returning starter. Oh, whoa, whoa. Brandon Bowen started before. Jonah Jackson started his entire college career at Rutgers. There's a lot of guys who have played. And like we said, a lobby's a fifth-year guy who played a lot last year. So then Wyatt Davis, by the way, started the critical games down the stretch last year too. So there's more experience here than oh no, only one returning starter. When you look at your Phil Steele magazine in a month, okay? The O line this year, I really do.
0: Ah, uh, just the thought of the Phil Steele magazine gives, makes me happy. We are we are nearing that that point of the, the year too, where we're going to get our feel, Phil Steele magazine. Feels like college football is beneficial when we get our. He he just does such a good job. Yeah, we're gonna give free advertising to Phil Steele. He he's just fantastic, and he has such a passion for. it. He's such a good guy too. So support Phil Steele. He's an Ohio guy too. Cleveland. He's in
1: Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, he's, he's a, yeah, he's a yeah. His 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 is like a statistical like I always agree with his outcomes because I'm an idiot who thinks he knows more than 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 Phil, but his his statistics and his his, his just everything he tracks is unreal good. And I hadn't even thought about my, my 2019 Phil Steele magazine until it just, just kind of came up here. But, oh, I can't wait. That's like Christmas in summer for me. That's replaced the, what used to be summer Christmas, and then they released the NCAA football game in July. Phil Steele's taken that over since the world's a cruel, cruel place and we're no longer allowed to play Dynasty mode all summer and win seven titles in a row with Ohio State. So it's the best we've got. I cannot wait. It's like the I'm happy right now.
0: We're also not in our early 20s without kids, where we can play video games all the time. Uh, those were the days. Um, although you're, you're a lot yes. closer removed to that than I am. I'm much further removed from that than, than you are. But uh, yeah, Phil Steele, my recommendation, I'll say one more thing about Phil Steele, then we'll move on to linebacker talk. Um, my recommendation for everybody out there you can get on philsteele.com. You can. Uh, you can just buy one, uh, for like 12.99, whatever it was, like on, from the website, or you can go to a store and do it, but it's always easier just for me just to have them shipped to the house. But I always get two. You know, I always get two. That way I can have one, you know, at the desk, one in the bag, whatever I need. That way I get two, and then you get a price discount too. It gives you like two for 20, instead of buying like one for 13 or whatever like that. So, there you go. We gave, okay, that's way too much free advertising. Let's move on. Um, even for the man Phil Steele. Linebacker, rotation, linebacker depth. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, Malik Harrison, to me, is a for sure starter and a stud. He's just going to keep getting better and better. I think he's going to have a tremendous senior year this year. So Malik Harrison locked in as a starting outside linebacker. Although, you know, they like Kayvon Pope as his backup, but still. Malik Harrison's locked in. The other outside linebacker spot, they like Pete Werner a lot, but they also like Dallas Gantt. I think those guys might rotate a little bit with Pete Werner getting the most of the reps, but they really like Dallas Gantt. As Joshua Perry has pointed out on his podcast – Dallas Gantt is a guy with a lot of momentum, as they like to say. Um, Another guy you pointed out was Master Teague has a lot of momentum, and Jalen Gill as well. So those are some of the young guys that Joshua Perry pointed out, Dallas Gant uh, Master Teague and Jalen Gill, but um, middle linebacker to me backs is so interesting. I think it should be Taraja Mitchell, but leaving spring, you, you talk to the coaches and they're like, all three guys are kind of equal with Tuff Borland, and Taraja Mitchell, Baron Browning. I think Baron Browning's more of an outside linebacker, but what do I know? Um, how do you see middle linebacker shaking out?
1: Oh, uh, it's it's the biggest question mark on the defense right now. Uh, I think. I know what the people want. The people don't want tough starting again after last year. And it's not maybe fair to tough because I know he had a short rehab time with the Achilles injury, but you know, the people are going to want the younger, more athletic guy after seeing tough running in quicksand last year. Um, I'm of the opinion that long-term Mitchell's absolutely has a higher ceiling than Borland. And maybe we ought to let Mitchell figure it out in the early going so we can have him hopefully playing at a higher level, but we have no idea what's going on there. And, and, by the way, it may sound like I'm dismissing Baron Browning here from that conversation because I sort of am. I just don't see him as a middle linebacker. I'm 100% in agreement with you. He is a downhill, outside edge rush backer. Like, in a 3-4 in a set, you know, he, he's, he's your, your James Harrison-style guy that you run on the outside. That seems to be where he's flashed most of the times in his career. And I don't think Baron Browning is your read and react middle linebacker. I just don't. I have not seen it from him. And until I do, I'm not going to believe that's what he does best. So to me, it's between Mitchell and Borland. And and that's a position right now that I think a lot of us are hoping for a tangible change from last year, because obviously the linebackers last year outside of Harrison were sort of a nightmare. Um, I think a lot of us are hoping that we see some fresh blood on the field Uh I, when you have a guy like Mitchell who is, you know, an all everything recruit who has looked very good in the spring, I think, I think when we talked about the spring game, we both kind of thought, yeah, that guy looks like a middle linebacker who reads and reacts like a middle linebacker. He just seems more of a natural at the position. I'm hoping, and I, I, I think most of Buckeye Nation is hoping that Mitchell ends up being the guy because of what we saw from tough last year and because what we sort of see as Mitchell's potential this year. So, you know, obviously the coaches are the ones who see this daily. I have a lot more trust in Al Washington than I I did in Billy Davis to put the best guys on the field because Al Washington's track record coaching the position elsewhere. Um, But we're going to have to let this battle go through fall camp until we're going to have a better idea of who's going to see a higher proportion of snaps. And that's the other thing. You're not just going to be like, all right, well, Mitchell wins the job. He's going to take every snap. You're still going to see tough. He's going to be on the field a lot. Mitchell's going to have to really excel to earn more than two-thirds of the snaps. So there's a lot to play out at middle linebacker. That's easily the most interesting position on defense to me. No question
0: about it. Um, to finish the show, I want to ask about Matthew Baldwin. Get your thoughts on that. Uh, for those that haven't heard, he made his decision yesterday. He's probably known for a while now. But he's going to join Gary Patterson's program at TCU. He's hoping to be eligible right away. I'm assuming he's going to use something similar to what Tate Martell used. The, the, the coaching change was a hardship. You really could say, like, you know, they, they served your fries cold, and they served my fries cold, and that's a hardship. I mean, in this day and age, by the way, serving fries cold is, is really awful. It really ruins the fries. But uh, So I don't, I don't want to make light of that by any means. But seriously, it seems like any flimsy excuse now, you're going to be eligible right away. So we'll see what happens there. I really don't care if he's eligible right away or not. Um, but just your thoughts on Matthew Baldwin deciding to transfer to TCU, Bax.
1: Well, I don't think it's slam dunk. He's immediately eligible. Uh, you know, we, we've sort of thought the era of free agency was ushered in when Justin Fields and Tate Martell were made eligible on something that certainly would not have flown in the past uh, when it comes to immediate eligibility. Uh, but, If you look at it, there's a couple kids who have legit medical sort of hardship things that were actually rejected initially, and then they went and got the lawyer that Shay Patterson and Justin Fields hired and Tate Martell hired uh, to to get their eligibility immediately, and uh, hopefully their appeals get overturned. I mean, one kid's transferring to Virginia Tech, which is 105 miles from home, where his mom has brain cancer, and the NCAA initially denied it because it was more than 100 miles outside of his radius from home. Like, are you kidding me? Like, Tate Martell can say, oh, wow, I wasn't going to start because Urban left and he's eligible, but some kid's mom has brain cancer and you're saying he's not? Like, come on. That, that's a reactionary decision to the criticism of free agency if there ever was one. So, I'm fascinated to see how it plays out with Baldwin's immediate eligibility. I don't think it's a guarantee. Uh, that said, I won't be surprised if he is immediately eligible. Um, you know, it's three hours from home, hardship, yada, 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 yada. In, in the end of the day, it seems like all a quarterback has to do is say, I need more playing time, so I want to be eligible. And, you know, the truth is, I don't think he would have transferred if he hadn't thought he was going to be immediately eligible and able to play this fall. Um, That's simple. You know, I, I, I'm obviously one of the more cynical people about the Baldwin transfer. Not that he chose to transfer, but just the spot it left OSU in and sort of how he handled his in-and-out time here. Um, you know, that aside... We'll see if he's eligible this fall. He's got some guys on the roster ready for TCU to beat out, but there's nobody at quarterback there that was particularly impressive last year. Everybody remembers the, the OSU game down there, but they sort of fell apart at the position after that. Uh, you know, the kid who was their quarterback, he looked dynamic and mobile and could throw the ball well. That was just OSU's defense. He actually turned out to be pretty bad over the course of the year. So if Baldwin's eligible to play, he's going to compete for the starting job down there and, uh, You know, I guess he should be lucky that OSU changed their schedule and doesn't play TCU again this year because there probably would have been a little bit of pushback from OSU for him to transfer to a team that we would have played this fall. So it is what it is. Good luck, Matt Baldwin. We hardly knew you, and that's about all I want to say about that.
0: Great stuff from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Really appreciate it, Bax. You can catch his column every Sunday on Bucknuts. It is, of course, the bucket of bullets. Must read material. Thank you very much, Bax, and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try the Buckeye Swag, Best Day Band in the land. <laughs>